Well, I just went back to the West Coast to see some some family in Oregon. Um, yeah, I was there for like eight eight, eight or nine days, basically. Um, it was my, was it just for fun, just to visit family? Yeah, it was my brother's thirtieth birthday, so I was oh, there for that, which was that's nice. Good. Yeah, yeah, took a baby across the country. Um, <laughs> yeah, my son is coming up on 10 months old and has gone on like seven flights now um most of which have been over five hours so we took a red eye back last night and uh you know it was medium i was one of the uh, well I, okay he was not the most cryingest baby on the plane so <laughs> that's, that's always the best that's when there's another one. asshole kid that's louder you're like okay good it's not my kid well and i felt like they the, they were like walking the baby up and down the aisle as he was crying i was like don't come up here he's asleep i was like, yeah giving him the stare down like you better not come up here my kid's asleep so <laughs> that's like when you're on the plane and um the pilot comes on like and they, all the kids are napping and they're like we'll be landing in 20 minutes or whatever all the parents are like nah, shut up my kid's still asleep yeah yeah especially at like 4 30 in the morning it's uh yeah um, uh, but the trip was good it was a good trip and um we're going to ireland in two weeks with him again so you know he's a little world oh traveler yeah no we're, yeah we're, does he have mm-hmm. a does he have a passport or do you just oh, bring a birth certificate oh no he's got a baby passport yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> which is supposed to last him five years even though it says he weighs like 13 pounds or something yeah so. <laughs> it's funny like with when you travel with like kids it's you just have so much empathy and sympathy for any other parent you see because you know that in their mind they are so stressed out and they do not want to disturb – well, most parents don't want to disturb the flight. They know when they walk in that people are going to be like, don't sit next to me. It's so like frustrating and, 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 and you know, it's anxiety-inducing. So I like – whenever I see a parent – I'm just like, hey, like, I don't mind if sitting next to the baby. Like, I know it's going to happen. That's why I have headphones. But I just feel bad for them because you know how stressed they are about trying to make make it through the flight. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, he, now that, I, you know, I'm doing it, it's, you develop that empathy. Well, yeah. not that I didn't have it before, but like you really right. did. Right. I did have it before, too. And now I now I just really have it. Like, I'm sweating. Like, please be quiet, baby. <laughs> Go to sleep. Go to sleep. Toddlers are tough too, man. They're they like they're the ones that climb over the seats and like try to wave at everyone, and it's sort of cute, but then it's not really cute because they're it's cute just, for a minute, and then yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, anyway, all right. Well, we want to do this episode. Let's dive into some necro. Oh God! Or, or ew! No, 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 no. Here we go. Hello, everybody, and welcome to This American Horror Story, an unofficial podcast about the FX hit show American Horror Story and the uh, spinoff anthology series American Horror Stories. I am your host, Tyler Moss, here with my co-host. Chris Husted. Uh What's up, Tyler? What's up, uh, listeners? What an episode this was. <laughs> everybody, very everybody, interesting. Yeah. Indeed. Interesting is a word. So first of all, I want to point out that I was right when I guessed necro was for necrophilia. Yeah, I think you were trying to be like, it could like, be about something else. Romancing. 
<laughs> uh, yep, yep, nope. It was, no, it was not we about that. Mm-hmm. We, of course we did. Of course we did. Um, <laughs> excited to be here with you all to talk about this episode. This is episode seven, which I believe means we only have two episodes left. Although someone sent me a message and said there might be one left, but I, oh. I looked at, I looked on Wikipedia, American Horror Stories Wikipedia. It looks like there's two left. So what are we'll the, what are, what are the names of the two episodes we have left? Do you remember? Um, Lake is one of them. That's right. Is that the one that's supposed to have um, from Clueless? Um, Alicia, Alicia Silverstone. Silverstone. Right. I yeah. think she's supposed to be in Lake, right? I think so. And there's one more. I'm going to pull it up right now while we're talking about it. So we have one or two left. And because it's on Hulu, like we don't get to see a commercial or, or a trailer for the next one at the end. And that would advertise like it like traditionally does on American Horror Story, which is like next week is the final episode. So yeah. we don't. No, on 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 the regular Wikipedia it says there's eight. On American Horror Stories Wiki fandom, it says nine. So that's why there's a little 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 mixed up. Well, and so also so okay. So we have one or two left. We know at least one's going to be Lake. And uh, Emma via email shared with us uh, earlier this week that um, there's rumors circulating that the new season season eleven of American Horror Story is going to be back on. I think she said September 30th or 31st. But basically, the very end of September is the rumor. Although I don't think it's I'm been... Probably right when my baby's getting delivered. Oh, yeah. I don't know if we ever said this. Like, I have another baby coming. <laughs> I mean, I expect you to be, you know, FaceTiming me from the delivery room so we can talk about <laughs> what's, what's happening. I, oh, God. Yeah. Anyway. So, yeah. We'll, I mean, we'll make it happen. We'll make it the, happen. We will make this happen, folks. I mean, the birthing theme would be very in line with American Horror Story. I'm just saying. It would be. We'll just have a spinoff episode, one a one-off episode of me describing what birth looks like. I'm sure your wife will love that. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> um, as always, we want to thank you all for writing into us, uh, and you can continue to do so at thisamericanhorrorstory at gmail dot com or messaging us at thisamerican uh, facebook dot com slash thisamericanhorrorstory. Um, really appreciate your comments, thoughts, theories. That community in general just makes it lovely. Before diving in, I guess really the main thing I want to say about this episode, and interestingly, it's more of a comment about many of our episodes this season, and especially like the last uh, four to five-ish, have been all very polarizing. It's kind of funny because I feel like in comments on Facebook, in comments that we have come in via email and via message, there's a lot of there's people that are like, I love this episode, and there's a lot of people that are like, this is the worst episode I ever saw, and I feel like I'm seeing that more... I don't know. I feel like last season there was more consensus that the episodes were bad um, for yeah. American Horror Stories. Yeah. And this yeah. season, the, like, aside from, I think, for the most part, people... The first two. Like, Dollhouse and Ara, people liked. Maybe they didn't love, but a lot of people liked. A lot of people did love. Uh, but pretty much all the ones since then, there's been, like, a pretty polarized response. Although I do think that Drive... Drive was... Was pretty universally panned yeah, yeah. Uh, for like I'm going to say like 95 percent of folks, but yeah. since then it's been a lot more. Um, yeah, I, wh- why do you think that is? Like, why are all these episodes splitting people so much? Well, it's interesting. I think, and, and people have acknowledged this on social media, but a lot of them, a lot of these episodes have had a twist at the end that sometimes pays off, sometimes doesn't pay off, or doesn't feel earned. At all. And we've acknowledged that in our reviews of, of some of these episodes. But it's kind of formulaic uh, uh, at this point that expecting some twist in the third act that it doesn't always necessarily have to have that. And and that's getting a little annoying. 
Um, you know, we saw it in Bloody Mary, we saw it in Facelift, we saw it in Drive, um, we saw it in Aura. Uh, so it, it's just, it's kind of like, okay, like, what's going to happen in the third act? And after a while, it just feels forced and silly because we keep saying the same um, formula. Yeah. They're trying to six sense us. <laughs> yeah. Which is a phenomenal movie. And, they, and you know, and that Shyamalan tries to do, has tried, tried to do that a few other times and doesn't always pay off. I'll, I'll, you know, I pretty much only worked the first time for the most part. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm an apologist for him. I, I don't dislike a lot of his films. Like a lot of people do. Look, I liked a lot of the movie. I, I enjoyed or was entertained by a lot of his movies and like he yeah. produced, he produced servant, which was great. Um, directed some of the episodes, so you know I feel like he's gone on to do other stuff. Did you yeah. ever watch that that more recent one where like the people like people would get older on the beach or something? I, old, yeah, I did watch that. I thought it was fine, and then I we talked to two of our friends, and they're like, we hated it, and I was like, oh, I thought it was good. <laughs> I'm an easy sell for you know some weird sci-fi type aging supernatural stuff. So I do like a good premise, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, mm. if you can pay it off. 50% of the way, I'm, I'm pretty much sold. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a deal. Well, before we dive into Necro, Chris, what are you drinking this evening? I'm having some uh, small lot Merlot from the winery Parducci uh, in Mendocino County. It's delicious. What are you having? Uh, I do want to first point out that we are recording this episode in the evening. So we, of course, uh, being the grown-up adults we are, waited till evening to pull out <laughs> our adult alcoholic beverages. Um, tonight I am drinking a beer called Shark Jumper, which has some lemon juice and lemon zest in it. Um, so, you know, Ooh, it sounds, it's very summery. It's from Night Shift, which is a brewery up here in, in the New England area. Well, that having been said, I want to dive into some, well, I already said, I'm not going to say that again. Anyway, take us through the cold <laughs> open and necro. Uh, cold open is interesting. It's about five minutes long, I think is what I clocked it at, but... Uh, we're panning through a home with some, there's a kid's like little play kitchen, a dollhouse, looks like a nice suburban home, but there's some blood streaks. Uh, and then we get a, a title card with, I do not know how to pronounce this town's name in Maine. Do you? Mac- no, it's like Matchesport. Yeah, I don't even know. And I live close to Maine and I don't know how to pronounce that one. Yeah, I was hoping you would know. Sorry. But it's 1998. And uh, we see Lucky Charms kind of spilled everywhere and a little blood trail following it. And then we see a hammer and then we end on a mom's body with her breast out and a child with some long hair, a little girl in jammies looking over her. Um, also, like, it's, you know, kind of awkward here because I feel like this kid is like two or three years old, maybe, and goes over and s- starts, starts nursing. Um, nursing on the um, dead mother. Uh, then we get a little cut, and then we get the scene of like kind of like sawing through some dead bodies uh, with garbage playing in the background, which I noted, which is super tight. Um, very, I'm a little older than you, but like very like grungy '90s. Um, oh, I saw I saw garbage in uh, okay concert last year with Alanis Morissette. <laughs> Oh my god! Okay, that's such a eight nineties throwback. <laughs> um, Shirley Manson's dope, but uh, and then we're cutting through some cadavers, and clearly we're looking at like like a pathology lab or a morgue of some sort where physicians are kind of studying the situations of the end of life. 
and we had this young blonde woman um, performing uh, some of this stuff. Then we get another cut, and we're now in Whittier, California in 2022. Of course, we're back in L.A.-ish. And there's a funeral going on, and with an organ and a few pews and lots of white people, a few white people (laughs) uh, in uh, black um, morning clothes, uh, suits and stuff. And we have our same young blonde uh, woman walking through it, uh, wearing, I can't remember, it says like, I heart Cosas, which... To me, Cosas is things in Spanish, so I like I love things, I guess. There might be more meaning to that, because I'm sure there's it's placed there for costuming for a reason. Anyway, her name is Sam, and she is the person who prepped the body for this funeral. Uh, she did it. Uh, she was talking to the minister, and, you know, he's like, three hours, and she's like, I did it in two. Uh, and she doesn't get paid well, but uh, the minister says they're lucky, or... I assume he's a minister there that uh, they're lucky uh, that they are lucky that she does this for the game. She likes her job. She likes to do this, even though she doesn't get paid very well. Yeah. Um, Cause she actually cares about the work. So he says, you know, well, you deserve a raise. Uh, so she's been working at this place for a little bit at this church or whatever it is. Um, and uh, that he says she has a great future here. If she can keep her head in the game which I thought was going to be a foreshadowing or something. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, so she goes home to her apartment, and surprise, surprise, per American Horror Stories uh, tradition, this lady is rich AF uh, with her boyfriend, whose name is Jesse. Um, She says, you know, she's really proud of her work. She wishes he could have seen it. Uh, But he's he's a lawyer, and it sounds like he's a prosecutor uh, because he wants to go get the bad guys. Uh, yeah, he's supposed to be kind of, kind of noble. Yeah, it's like the idea you're supposed to get. Yeah, he's not super douchey at all. I mean, he's he's still like kind of a broy, like handsome, ripped white dude type situation. But he's like anyway. a Clark Clark Kent kind of blank canvas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't really have a lot there. Um, but she's really excited about those possible rays, and then she starts getting a little horny, <laughs> and uh, and he's like. Cool, tell me about it later tonight. Bye, gotta go. <laughs> gotta go to work. <laughs> um, and she says, and he's like, maybe you should take a shower because you smell like uh, formaldehyde. Uh, and she's like, I already took show- two showers today. Um, I don't know. And then, we, then essentially we, we cut right there and go to the credits. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. A couple things that jumped out to me. First one was, I don't know, maybe this is... Uh, I was wondering a little bit to myself as you were talking about it just now, like why, why did they set that opening scene in Maine and then jump to California? And I wonder if that was supposed to be a little bit of a nod to um, Stephen King or something because obviously it has to be right. Yeah, you know, so I, much I thought stuff. about that too. You know, so much of his stuff takes place in. I mean, he's from Maine. I think he still lives in Maine. Um, so much of his stuff takes place there. Um, so Sam, the you know mortician, blonde mortician we've been talking about. Uh, played by Madison Iceman, who I think in our preview we talked about. Uh, she was in the Jumanji movies and also in Annabelle. Annabelle Comes Home. I think Annabelle she's great. Home. I'm mm-hmm. a huge fan of her. Um, this I don't mean this in a disparaging way, but I, I, I'm I'm glad she is in this because she's great. But I, she's one of those people that I've seen in those two movies, or the two Jumanji movies, and, and then the Annabelle Comes Home, that I think is a really good actress. And she's got this like pizzazz about her. So I, I kind of was that she was doing American Horror Stories. I'm like, you, 
you should be getting booked for other things too. I hope. I don't know. Well, maybe but, she will. Maybe this is a lunch pad for her. I mean, I thought she did yeah. a great job. Yeah. Um, and then her boyfriend, Jesse, is played by Spencer Neville, who he's an American. He's been an American Horror Story before. Do you can do you remember where he's from? No, I didn't know that. OK, so let me take you back to uh, 1984. OK. And you'll remember the character Brooke. Is that um, the one that was getting married to uh, Emma Roberts character? No, yes, he's the one who's getting married to Emma Roberts' character, Brooke. And I, as soon as you said that, I was like, oh, that dude. He's the jealous one that thinks that uh, Brooke is cheating on him with, like, his friend who's still yeah. denied or whatever and shoots the friend and, like, shoots her the father oh, yeah. and then shoots himself <laughs> at the altar. So we had he's, he was in American Horror Story for oh a second altar scene. Yeah. I did not remember that. But, like, as soon as you said that, I was like, who could it be? I was like, oh, yeah, that, the like, Chris Clean Clark Kent dude for sure. Totally right. So I thought that was kind of funny that he, you know, he's in another situation in which he's like has I something guess. terrible happen to him at the altar. Yeah, yeah. He does. Oh, he's, oh, yeah. That's right. He's back at the altar. <laughs> yeah, he does see. I guess he doesn't seem like the kind of guy that just has bad things happen to him at the altar. Um, also, yeah, we I'm clearly just get like this kind of OCD vibe from him about like not, I, you know, it's like that foreshadowing you said about, especially him not liking what she does for a living, and mm-hmm. then we know she loves what she does for a living, so we get that tension set up again. And American Horror Story has had a lot of like interrelationship tension between like most of the characters. Yeah, which they don't really do very well. And it's hard it's hard to set that up in a forty minute show, but you know, a lot of these relationships in American Horror Story where there's a problem in the relationship, I'm looking at Drive, I'm looking at um this episode, it just it's not it's hard to it's hard to convince you that these people belong together because most of the time we're like, they don't belong together. I, I will say that like Ara did okay and at least like Aura establishing that they yes. had like chemistry. I think maybe they just don't do a good job with relationships in their 20s. Yeah, maybe it's young relationships, yeah. Yeah, because it's like older people. I'm assuming most of the writers are you know, not in their 20s anymore. 30s, and, 40s. Yeah. yeah, right, and and writing for 20s. But um, mm-hmm. anyway. Let's talk about the credits. You know, there's a lot of blinking lights, a lot of dead bodies in bags. Um, yeah. to, me, to me, I thought the coolest shot, did you catch the one that was like the, the, all the coffins floating, coffins floating in, the in the water? Yeah, yeah, that was my favorite too. I liked that. Yeah, that was a cool one. Um, this episode was written by Crystal Liu, who was originally a script supervisor on Glee and has worked on mm. multiple seasons of American Horror Story as a staff writer. Okay. And so that was pretty cool. Um, in fact, I believe... Uh, I believe Emma via email pointed out that she was responsible for, or no, 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 sorry, this was Amy via Facebook pointed out that she was responsible for the episode um, in um, Apocalypse where they returned to Murder House. That she oh, that's a lot of pressure. That was a lot of pressure. So, so she's been around the block, um, obviously, for Ryan Murphy shows and for American Horror Story in particular. And this episode was directed by Logan Kibbins. Um, who worked on Snowfall, the show Snowfall, and I think it's another FX show. And I, I think, and I, and I know what you did last summer, the series. Um, did watch it, but I heard it wasn't the greatest. It's tough to start a series after a show and have it live up, right? Yeah. I mean, the movie was phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> it's a classic. Of course it is. Uh, Sarah Jessica, uh, no, Sarah Jessica Parker. Uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar is somebody that would be fun to have on American Oh, I'm why? I'm... I bet they've tried to get her, or Jennifer Love Hewitt, but Sarah Michelle Gellar is the one that I'd want to get for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe she'll come around. Uh, okay, let's dive into the body of Necro. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, all the euphemisms that aren't euphemisms. Okay. 
Um, we have another, uh, I feel like this season we have a lot of scenes of just like, it, this brought me back to Drive 2 where she's like chatting with her friends about her relationship, similar to... They're drinking wine in the backyard. Yeah, I agree. And we don't even get names for any of the friends. Like, even in the like credits, they're just listening. Friend one, like friend, friend one, friend two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they're talking about Jesse's aversion to her smell. And, and I guess the the crux of this conversation is supposed to be when she's asked straight up, would you choose Jesse over your job? She feels like she can't answer. And that's, you know, we already the saw point. this in the call open that like she really loves what she does. Um, she tells some stories to the group about like, you know, feeling like these people who are dead are like there's she feels a connection to them. She feels like they're alive and they'll do weird things that she enjoys. She talks about the corpse that was moaning. She talks about the corpse with an erection, which again, a little bit of foreshadowing yep. there. Yep. Um, and so we, we, we're starting to get a sense of who this character is and what drives him. And I think, I mean, at this point, even though they did not right say it, the way that old cold open set up, we were, I feel like we're set up to believe that Sam is the little girl. Mm-hmm. at the beginning who had to spend some time with a dead body at this point. Right. And that the somehow time, has impacted her, that trauma. Right. The time jump would make that sense. And the trauma, absolutely, as we know, is a big theme in this episode. Mm-hmm. And we kind and of see people, this. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. I was just saying how people cope with trauma. And, exactly. And the people we have characters here have a very literal attachment to the trauma of death. Yeah, different experiences impacting them in different ways, connecting them. See, it seems mm-hmm. um, perhaps perhaps not in a good way. Um, <laughs> yeah, trauma bond is a trope in a way, but it, it it's an interesting perspective for for this episode. So I was like, okay, it, it is. Um, and you know, we continue to see this take shape as she's in the mortuary fixing up a body who had a gunshot wound to the head, and she's talking to him like he's alive. You know, yeah, him she questions. treats her- Kind of she treats the cadavers like you know? patients. Yeah, kind yeah. Of. yeah, yeah. She does. She's, I, it's like it makes you idea. like her. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It gives her some personality. I kind of like it. Uh, making presumptions about his life, all this stuff. Um, and then in bursts Charlie, the new grave digger, and immediately, you know, after we know her relationship with Jesse, you're immediately thinking, mm, this is this is going to be a little love triangle here. Uh, Charlie's played by Cameron Coperweight. 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 Yeah, Cop- maybe. Um, I don't know. Who played an undercover informant in American Horror Story Cult. So we have a couple AHS oh, uh, okay. veterans here. Um, and we see him, like, she kind of looks over at him. He seems to whisper something in the corpse's ear. So it's kind of, we get this connection immediately where they're both talking to the bodies, right? Yep. Yep. Um, and, you know, she, she goes and talks to him outside and she asks him what he said. And he says that he thanked the body for allowing him to be a part of her death journey. He kind of paints this whole picture of ancient Egypt and all about how ancient Egyptians respected the dead and this sort of thing. And it clearly seems to kind of resonate with her. And the people who were entrusted with taking care of the bodies were like highly respected. It was an honorable position. Yeah. And so obviously both of them playing such a significant role, you know, it kind of is tying them all together in this way. Uh, and then back home, you know, we see Sam cleaning up and she seems to be trying to like jumpstart things with Jesse. Um, and it seems to work this time because she's apparently cleaned off enough that for formaldehyde that they, you know, get to do the beat. But during it, we have that little flash of, of Charlie. So that trauma bond and the bond of with the dead is already becoming a, you know, somewhat deeper and more complex bond. Mm-hmm. Even after just a first initial meeting. Do you remember that Black Mirror episode where 
people had like these little eye things and you could like replay memories in your it's like eye. wasn't the first that was like one of the first episodes it, i think yeah it, it might have, yeah you think you're right um and the, there's the married couple and they both like fantasize about someone else while they're having sex with their partner because they're, they're replaying like memories of like previous people or relationships that they had yeah or people they've hooked up with and that i kind of got that vibe from it yeah yeah a little bit uh-huh from her, not from him. I don't know what his deal is. Well, he's clearly into. He seems like he's clearly. Well, yeah. maybe he's more into the idea of her because obviously he's not a big fan of. Yeah, you know, he's very milk toast. He he is like I said, blank canvas that uh, Jesse. Um, back at the parlor though, Sam and, and Charlie kind of continue to build on the bond around, you know, trauma and death, and they discuss their own deaths, how they want to be disposed of. Samuel follows him out to the cemetery, like while he's digging graves and stuff to continue having conversations, which I don't think is probably part of. Who knows? Maybe when there's not new bodies, she like has to go help out there. So that's what, how they keep connecting. But um, they even start, get to the point where she, I think, they're in the back of the car and like talk. They get to talking about her boyfriend, and she talks about how Jesse has like no taste in food, and um. Charlie has very sophisticated taste in food because he has like jalapeno chips or something like that. Which... <laughs> yeah, she says Jesse thinks that carne asada is uh, an exotic dish. <laughs> Let me see uh, carne asada. And they have a cute little chip fight. <laughs> cute little chip fight. And they but start they talking do... about... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah. No, you're... Not... That's what I was just going to go to. They talk about all these different cultures and all their different philosophies on uh, afterlife. Yeah, that part, I mean, you know, it's that's belie- cool. It is cool and it's believable. It's believable that they would care about this stuff if this is like their, their passion area and, and they're bonding over it, right? And they start talking about funerals. And that's when Charlie reveals his whole family is dead. He talks about this family trip that they went on to Zion, um, got into a head on car collision, and the rest of the family died, but he was somehow a survivor. And so, he, you know, he, the way he paints a picture is rather than like that scarring him, although I think it's pretty clear he was scarred. Uh, it was a blessing in the sense that it brought his life clarity and gave him this respect for the dead. So it's like he talks about it as if it has given him all this respect for, you know, the value of life and being true to yourself and all this stuff, which obviously comes to bear pretty quickly with what happens with Sam. Right. I want to point out, we do get a good foreshadowing of the end of this episode here when they're sharing different stories of different cultures, which I think she is the one who brings this up. And she says that there is, um, I think it was Chinese uh, story uh, uh, where the woman buried herself alive with her dead husband um, to live with him eternally or or something like that. Yeah, yeah. No, I I like that that little kind of, Cookie crumb too. That we've yeah, mm-hmm. the seeds actually for once were well planted in this uh, episode. I thought. <laughs> no, I agree. I agree. Um, <clears throat> you know, in this whole exchange, Sam talks about. Sam talks here about that she's going to reveal her own family story, and maybe we're going to learn more about that opening scene. But then second guesses, and of course, we have like her talk about this. You know, they just talk about how trauma screws people up, right? Um, she never talks about her dead family and. It seems like they're about to make out or something. They're like very close. To they're very close. Yeah. When Jesse calls and then he says like, oh, you missed this dinner with my family. Um, so, you know, she, she, her distracted by Charlie, she missed this important event with Jesse. So she runs home. Mm-hmm. All the lights are off. Only candles in the house. I mean, it, it, 
if she hears noises and it like it brings her back to like the PTSD of her childhood, which I mean, I think it's just partly supposed to demonstrate like how little Jesse really knows of her and about her. And I think she even mentions to Charlie that she doesn't even tell Jesse about her. She's yeah, she says she's never told anyone before, but she wants to tell Charlie. And of course, like the the thing that like the straw that breaks the camel's back here is that he spells out and lucky charms on the floor. Um, I'm trying to remember what the word was. Does does he say just like I love you, or does it marry me? I don't remember exactly what it is. I don't remember what it said either. I, I think it was something like I love you. Will you marry me? Yeah, something like that. But like, and, and you're, like as viewers, we're meant to think like, is this you know, is this how her mom was murdered? Is it a burglar? Is she experiencing a flashback? And of course, no. It's a surprise engagement party that he decided to do this with because she just like eats, eats a lot of Lucky Charms, which. No, she, she, she doesn't, she just, he's like, I've always seen that you had that box in there. So I wanted to do it because as we know later, why she had the lucky charms. Right. Exactly. So like he noticed the connection, but didn't realize that they were really associated with her trauma. Of her yeah. So trauma. completely like a big trigger for her. <laughs> also like, you know, I funny how like in this traumatic moment, she like, actually explains everything to him which was, i know for jesse i'm sure that was like a hell of a weight on his shoulders all of a sudden to be like oh my god yeah, this is what the lucky yeah. charms were for jesus christ and also i was thinking like see i know it's hard to do but like this is good that if you're in a committed relationship that you can share this you know obviously this is not the right time and it was, well, a lot, but... right well and it seems to be a little bit of an eye-opening moment for her because she's like i can't be the person you want me to be basically and without talking to anybody else runs off into the night uh, but we don't really know where she goes. We kind of fast forward, uh, unclear how much time, a day, a couple days, something like that. And yeah. We jump back to her being at the mortuary. Um, and she walks in, there's a body and I think she like reads the sheet and it's like, oh, this person OD'd or something like that. Pulls yeah. back the sheet and it's Charlie. Right. Yep. It's, uh, yeah, I think it says John Doe OD'd at 26 years old. Right. And I, you know, I wrote in my notes, like, because at this point I was convinced he was dead. I was like, oh, does the, the fact that he would OD make sense for his character? Because he talks about like glorifying life and living every moment to his fullest. Um, I don't know. It, it just seemed like a little bit, you know, maybe yeah. he wasn't being fully earnest in the, when he was talking about himself. But it seemed a little bit out of character for what we had known at that point. Um, so it was like a little bit of a hint that maybe there's something up. Um, but I thought that Sam and especially, you know, the actress Madison Eisman here does a, a pretty impressive job like talking to his corpse about how he made her feel understood and stuff like that. I thought it was a pretty well acted scene overall. Yeah. Uh, you know, she holds his hand and kisses it, then kisses him on the mouth, then appears to have him cuddle her, then appears to have sex with him. Yeah. Starts like grinding on him and then it turns into sex with what, what she believes be is the corpse. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oof. Ooh, this is where I was like, all right, I'm done. This, yeah, I mean, this... a, a giant clang, you know, something, bring, a noise brings her back to reality. Uh, she runs out and she what? seems like pretty disturbed by what she's done. Were you, when this was happening, did you think he was actually dead or did you think he was faking it? I thought he was actually dead because I didn't know how he would actually like manage to stop his heartbeat and do all the scars and stuff like that. I thought he was really dead. I did not think he was dead, but when he would not wake up, because they kept going doing great shots on like his face or his hand, and I was waiting for his hand to like when she was holding it to like fold in a little bit, like curl his fingers around her, and then it would turn into something. 
but and and but then I was like, well, I don't know. He's got the Y shaped um, scars from when the uh, when autopsies are done and they take out all the organs. So um, so that was like, oh, maybe he is dead. Uh, it, it was hard to know. And then yeah, and then she runs away, has a moment, and then comes back, and the body's gone. The body's gone. So then I was like, oh, okay, all right, are we going supernatural now? Is like, is it the opposite of um, Coven, where uh, it's not Violet, but um, Tysa Farmiga's uh, character could like have like f people to death? <laughs> like, is she able to bring people back to life through sex? You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking, I was like, are we going that route? That's weird. <laughs> But anyway, but she's she's notably freaked out. Well, so a couple things I want to ask you about this because when I learned that he was actually like still alive, I was a little confused. Do we get so? Does he just watch the tape later, or is he actually like able to experience and feel the things she's doing to him? I got the sense that he was like actually he took something that like actually made him seem dead, and oh, he yeah. was knocked out cold. Yeah, he he. I think he was. I think he was absolutely alive because in the end, he says, "I was only." wanting it to go for a couple minutes but it felt so good well so he, but that's my point though so he like yeah. he actually feels it somehow yeah he knows what's happening he's he like he he did he took a pill to make his heart seem like it stopped but it, he was actually cognizant of what was occurring as it's happening as it's happening that's that was how i perceived it and I do, what i took away yeah i do feel like that makes things somewhat worse for like it's yeah. rape well sort of Right, I was trying to think of this too. Is it like you're misleading someone? Yeah, but like also he but didn't also ask her to have sex. It is weird. It's like it's kind of rape on both sides. I have no idea. It's 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 yeah, complex. That's a good, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <coughs> oh, Excuse Lord. me. Oh man. Um, anyway, this is all like quite a quite a moment, obviously. Um, <laughs> And this is when she runs to Charlie's house where he's alive and, like, has really regained consciousness quite quick. Um, you know, she's angry and confused. And he just tries to say that he was trying to help her by pretending that he was dead. So it's, it's what is he what did he want to accomplish by her seeing him dead? What did he think was going to come out of that? Like, obviously, he wasn't expecting that she was going to climb on top of him. So. No, I. Well, yeah, that's this is a really good question. Um did he really expect that she was going to do that? Probably not, but he wanted to free her and like show her that like he wouldn't judge her, but there's freedom. And maybe he, I guess maybe he did really think that this could happen. And that was where it was going to go. Like maybe she wasn't going to like, but the thing is like, she had just seemingly broken up with Jesse. Right. So it's like, couldn't they have like very realistically have been together without him being dead? Yeah. It was a weird, it's, it's really dark. And, yeah. I think well, because what he seems to be insinuating here is that she would not have been with him. That like she Unless, would, she could only feel connected to somebody who's dead, basically. Which is which, which is which. Then she then kind of like validates at the end, but it like I don't know. Yeah, but exactly like they had a connection before she ran off to the engagement event that went awry, um, and they could have just had their connection that way, but he went a really different left turn on how to try to seduce her and connect with her, which they were already connected. I think so. They seem to have tons of chemistry. So this was like, I don't this know. This is just it, showing how dark they both are, I guess. 
Yeah, and up until this point, like, he maybe seemed like, yeah, he really was trying to, like, be a good guy. And he kind of all of a sudden seems like an asshole, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we jump ahead two months, and she seems to be working now at, like, some Sephora-type store. Doing yeah. some of the same, like, you know, <laughs> dressing people up. But it, I kind of like how they just infer that, like, the fact that people are alive makes them, like, just in the job shittier because they're assholes. Well, and also I love the juxtaposition of like painting dead people and painting alive people and how it's very similar and you're trying to create this um, perception of for people to see like who this person is and what they're trying to project with their death and who they were and how they are alive. It's 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 an, it's a really good uh, commentary, I think, on on how we try to portray ourselves, it whether dead or commentary. alive. Totally. Um and we also learned that she's marrying Jesse. She she like got back into the relationship. So clearly she like yeah. gave up what she was doing, even though she loved it, and like got rid of that part of herself, probably because she felt so dirty about everything and like how Charlie right. kind of um, understandably. Um. So prior to meeting the wedding planner, I think it's like at, as they're at the venue, she sees a vision of Charlie. Mm-hmm. Um. And oh no! So this is this, sorry. This was outside at the coffee shop where they meet the wedding planner. She sees like a vision of him in the glass or something. And um, as she again has sex with Jesse, she just seems like very unsatisfied. And I think we're supposed to be indicating that, like she's missing this part of her now that was like actually being fulfilled for a short time. Then we come to wedding day, and I think her friend points out here that she just seems like a sad bride. <laughs> she's trying to be someone she's not. Um, and good friend for calling her out on it, right? But she, mm-hmm. she's going to go through this anyway. Like, I think the, I think what we're supposed to believe is, like, she feels so ashamed for what she did that she just feels like she has to, like, excise this that piece of her um, and go through with this thing. So, up at the altar, they prepare their own vows. He's put together a secret video for her, a slideshow that somehow Charlie has intercut with her <laughs> yeah. having sex with his corpse. Jesus Christ, like, come on, man. <laughs> and then he shows up to break up the wedding, and, uh, man, um, I, this is what I wrote like, near, like, funny that Jesse has been in multiple disturbing altar scenes. By Jesse, I mean yeah. Spencer Neville. Yeah. Um, and, man, I also wrote in here, like, Charlie's a nut. <laughs> yeah, dude, this guy's crazy. Because here he's, like, at this point, he's yelling at her, like, that is what it looks like to really be alive. I love you. But at the same point, he's, like, totally, you know, and so this is when it starts to transition into almost like a revenge porn type thing um mm-hmm. because you know we see it circulate it, it we'll talk about this in upcoming scenes but there's memes about it and like it gets all over yep. the internet and charlie who thought he was like setting her free really is destroying her life in the in all this um but to air that kind of you know something she's so ashamed about already in front of everybody just seems like pretty terrible yep um, and that's right, yeah. So so Jesse runs out, the wedding scene ends. She says, basically, I hate you to Charlie. I never want to see you again. Um, and we see her interviewing for a maid service, I believe. So it's like mm-hmm. you know, she keeps kind of moving further and further away from what she likes to do. It's um, still in her wheelhouse of her uh, her skill set. Cleaning things up, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but somehow now she's been registered as a, as a sex offender, which um, that, that part's a little great, too, if it was like... I mean, yeah, I don't know. Like, so was she, so I'm assuming she was charged and, and found convicted of it then. Cause that, but also know. like, so did Charlie press charges, but also like, is, is he not in trouble for having faked his own death and like having been in the system? I don't know. There's like a lot of questions. Some here. questions here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
but she doesn't get the job because she's a registered sex offender now. Uh, which, like, fuck Charlie at this point because he's like yeah. really screwed all her opportunities. Um, and you know, so yeah, because I even wrote my notes like, did Charlie charge her with rape? It's like very confusing. Um, and this is when she goes to the coffee shop, and now she's a meme, and everyone knows about her. Uh, it's you know, it's it's revenge porn is really what it, it, like it feels like. Um, we go to see Sam then buy an illegal gun, and you know, obviously indicating that she's actively planning to use it on somebody. Uh, like I wrote, likely Charlie, and of course that's where she ends yeah. up. She follows him to a cemetery. Um, I guess the same cemetery. He's still employed by this place, apparently, even though he... <laughs> yeah, that's a good question, yeah. Um, where she plans to, to shoot him uh, by the open grave. And she talks about how he's ruined her life, which is very true. Absolutely uh, true. And, you know, I don't know. He, she, he, like, talks about, again, about how alive she was and how good it felt, like, for them to have that connection. And then she kind of has a point where she tells him off and is like, no man should tell her what she wants, which, you know, good for her. Um, but then things take a little bit of a spin. Um, Charlie Court starts like quoting things from Sam's past. He's clearly like looked up Sam's childhood. And we, we kind of revisit this flashback. Um, How would he find out that, yeah, these specific details? And we see her talk about, like, the fact that... So her mom was dead for, like, days, and she was, like, cuddling the body and treating it like it was... It's like a weekend at Bernie situation, but, like, with a dead mother, which is really terrible. Um, And, of course, the feeding from her part is just, like, the most... Well, even, like, the shots of the child, like, nuzzling with the dead mom is just, like... I don't know. It bothered me a lot. Oh, for Um, sure. But I think Sam's line here is something like, tasting death for the first time felt like love, you know? It was just, like... It seems like something... it seemed very emo. I don't know. It, like, yeah, it, it, it. I would say it seems very goth to me too. Mm-hmm. Um, she also before before because I want to go. I just want to mention a few things about um, the scene where we get the flashback of what was happening those three days. Um, but she's like, "You tricked me. You ruined my life." Blah blah blah. Um, and finally, at the end, uh, and. Some people might feel this was forced in, but it is something that was on my mind was this dude is like dictating her life and telling her what she is and what she feels. And she says, like, I don't need a man telling me, you know, what I feel. That's very patronizing. And I was like, finally, like, I know, right? you know, it's she she because she seems like a really smart person and and aware of her own agency and her own life with with the restrictions that she has from her trauma, of course. Right. Um, so I'm glad she acknowledged that, but even though it doesn't, it gets, well, it's like, well, let's say this real quick because it doesn't matter because we're going to go this other route, even though she does sort of make her own choice in the end, but it's based off of what he forced her into the situation to do. Right. Um, anyway, she says, um, like when, he, when she talks about uh, what it was actually like during those three days, she says... Um, you know, she fed her cereal, and that was the cereal because her she thought her mom had just hit her head. She would brush her hair, um, and she says it was the last time that she felt safe. Um, and in the flashback, uh, this is what killed me because my daughter literally said this to me today. Um, so I was, like, cutting something, and I accidentally... I was trying to, like, take... I had, like, a paring knife, and I was trying to, like, cut the top off, a plastic top off of, like, a, a spice bottle 
like the plastic wrap thing and it didn't have the serrated things where you can just rip yeah. it off. So, and I, I accidentally like pushed it through and I just punctured my finger just like barely, but it hurt. And I was like, Oh, that's a bad word. Um, and my daughter came over who she's two. So she's probably about this kid's age. And she's like, it's okay, daddy. It's okay. It's okay. Because she like scrapes her knees all the time. I'm like, it's okay, sweetie. It's okay. Uh, and she was like, just, um, parroting what I have said to her when she is hurt. And in the flashback, um, the little girl, when her mom is dead, she's saying, it's okay, mommy. It's okay, mommy. And I was like, no, <laughs> oh my gosh. And my kid said that to me today and, I, and it just triggered me there. And I was like, oh, oh crushing. Yeah. Yeah. So sad. Anyway. But she said, yeah. Um, what did it taste like to taste death? Or what did it feel like to taste death for the first time? And she says it felt like love. Well, and this is where we're supposed to be getting to like that real, I guess, the the core of why she feels like such an outsider. And she's so into all this, like, you know, working with dead bodies and stuff. Um, and she follows up kind of this recap of what happened with this line. I think what I really want is to be dead and alive at the same time. Um, and the progression of events here is... Basically, she, I'm trying to remember exactly. She, did she hug Charlie and then shoot him in the stomach, right? Basically, I think, I think that's the, the order, yeah. He falls backward into the open grave. Um, she crawls down there with him, but at the same time, we start to see like the. She hits the, um, the, the scoop the, that the scoop. dumps all the dirt. Right. Slowly, and we yeah. start to see the dirt come down. And as they get buried alive and he's dying, um, they are having sex it seems uh oh yeah see her pull her underwear off she pulled Um, yeah yeah and that's the end you know um true love true romance right there and he accepts it too he's like kind of into it he is kind of in which kind of fits the character but um yeah wow uh yeah okay so well first off what mechanism are we going to use uh to grade this episode Mm, cadavers that seems too kind of, too easy. That's right? easy. Yeah. Uh, Lucky Charms. Um, oh. No. Scalpels. Cor- corpse eyeballs. Uh. Cadaver erections. No. Ew. <laughs> no. 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 That's gross. No, we're not doing that. I don't. I don't want that. Lot, lot, like on in the internet universe for when I'm older. I don't need to hear me saying that. Uh, I I mean let's let's do coffins. I think coffins is completely fine. Okay, okay. Um, so after this episode ended, I wrote, it was kind of good. <laughs> I liked that the story was straightforward. It, there was no third act, you know retconning some backstory to make something make sense, which is not fun and not enjoyable. I don't like that. Um, the acting I thought was great from our, from our lead two people. Um, and especially, uh, is it Sam who's Madison? Yes. Yeah, Ma- Madison. I said in the beginning, I think she's great. She's very talented. She should be a lot of things. She, if you haven't seen the Jumanji movies, she's, hilarious in it her and jack black oh my god they're so good um and she was really good in annabelle comes home too i thought that was a good movie 
Um, so the acting I thought was pretty great. The writing was tight. Uh, the, the writing was, um, it flowed correctly. The structure worked well for me. There's some, you know, I think they're, they could have maybe introduced another, you know, plot point perhaps just to make it a little more, add a little depth to it. But for what it was, even though the premise is freaking weird and <laughs> I, I, I don't like it and I'm not into it. And like I said, when it when the actual necro stuff happened or quote unquote, ha- I mean, it did happen in her in her mind. That's what she was doing. Uh, that was weird. And I, I don't know how I feel about that. But if I'm looking this um, from the perspective of a story written and filmed and acted I think it was it worked well. I think it was good. If, if this is a random episode in American Horror Stories, like this is great because <laughs> there are some really not great ones, and I think this one worked just fine. It did a good job of what it was supposed to do. It was weird AF, but uh, the storyline, everything made sense, and I really do think that the seeds were planted well in this to make the payoff in the end work and feel earned. Uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, some of the flaws, I still struggle with how relationships are depicted in uh, in main characters. Half the time we're looking at them and saying, like, you guys shouldn't be together. And there, it's not like one of those relationships in your 20s where you're just, like, so addicted to someone, but you know it's not good. It's like, these people are boring. Like, <laughs> I, I I just, I'm not sold on, on that just completely. But that being said, I looking at this as a whole as a story i in the context of american horror stories i will give this uh four coffins wow four coffins i know i'm shocked myself but i think the end just really felt paid off and i think i was very i was just so surprised and happy about that even though again premise is weird (laughs) i don't like this type of story it almost felt like a lifetime movie that just instead of like a cheating thing, you're like, but what if she cheated with a dead body? <laughs> and she was super into dead stuff. <laughs> so I, I think I'm dealing with a very similar thing to, as you, which is that the thing is this episode was well done um, in most capacities. Like it was well acted. The writing was good. I mean, there was, we can say there's some holes. We don't fully understand the whole sex offender thing. Yeah. But like. We're not like here complaining about like in Drive where the story just like parts of it made total no sense and the acting was just completely unbelievable. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think what we're reacting to it at more like guttural level is like we don't love the fact that, you know, they have this weird fucked up relationship and that she had sex with what she thought was a dead body. And also, I honestly, I think what really bothers me about it is that like in the end, well, I mean... Charlie as a dude ended up being like really shitty and like, you know, publicly posting that video for everywhere was so cruel and like gross. And he should have, I mean, he, I guess he got his comeuppance in the sense that he got shot, but also he kind of liked that. And also she still is in, I think what bothers me is that she's still into him at the end after he's done that. Right. Um, and it's like their trauma bond is stronger than the fact that he ruined her life. And I don't know. Um, so that part of it was hard for me, but yeah, like, um, 
<laughs> the seeds are planted. Like it's an it, it's an unexpected story, and not in a way that's like a complete non sequitur. Like it fought. Like I feel like the seeds are planted well, and it flows together. And uh, oh man, I, I, I I'm so I'm struggling with it in ways, and I feel like that's probably why it's so polarizing. It's like people are are dealing with that same kind of than we are. Um, so where do I put it on the scale of thing? I mean, man, I I feel like. I feel like kind of Madison Eisman carries this episode in a way, and I want to see her more stuff. I'd like to see her in a season of American Horror Story um, for sure. And I think, I don't know that I can go as far as to give it a four. I think I'm going to give it a 3.75. Okay. Um, okay. Because I just feel like Charlie's such an ass that, like, even though it, I, I kind of get it, that, like, they're both fucked up, and that's why they're kind of together, and there's, like, the whole kind of Romeo and Juliet vibes, obviously. Um I can't get over that piece of it, and that's what's driving it down slightly. But at the same time, again, it's well done. I thought Crystal Lou did a good job. I thought that um, yeah. remind me of the director again, Logan Logan Kibbins. I thought Logan Kibbins did a good job. Um, you know, I would like to see all these people come back and do do more. Yeah, uh, it was a nice. I'm glad we got a little break from Eddie Cotto too, because he deserved it. You know, so yeah, he's working overtime. Um, we should say we we should have done it floating coffins. Oh, floating coffins! Seven point seven five floating coffins for this episode. Which hey, <laughs> I think puts this uh, you know in the top. I don't know. We'll discuss as we get to the end of the season, obviously. But maybe yeah. in the top three, four episodes, four fourish episodes of the season. You know, what would be kind of interesting to talk about too. Is like so some things I give high uh, scores to, but. That doesn't mean I want to watch them again. But some of the ones I gave lower scores to, I would watch again because they're just easy things to watch. Like, I will watch Bloody Mary again. I don't think I'm going to watch Necro again, even though I gave them... Well, I think I gave them the same score, but, like, you know, I... It, it's interesting what you will go back and revisit. It's true. Well, I mean, and I think that's kind of like... You can appreciate that something is fantastic, is like well done. Did you ever see the movie Mystic River with Sean Penn and Kevin Bacon and Tim Robbins? I mean, I read the book. It's it's an incredible film, right? It's like incredibly yeah. acted. Don't need to do it again. Dark as fuck. You're never going to watch that movie twice. It's If you yeah. watch it twice, like, man, you're a glutton for punishment because it's yeah. so dark and sad. Yeah. And this isn't, I mean, it is kind of dark and sad in some ways. You know, it's just not something, yeah. It's, it's something that, like you can appreciate the art to it, but you don't want to. There's no fun and thrills in it. It's like a really story. It's a story you go to if you're in a really dark space and you want to connect with the characters. I don't need to connect with these characters again. No, no, definitely not. Um, or their story. No, but you can appreciate it objectively. And I feel like that's exactly. what we've done. Exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> that being said, um, wow, Necro's done. We've got Lake left. Maybe another. I guess we'll find out when we come to next week. I looked it up. It's called Cellulite. Ooh, Cellulite. That sounds... It gives me that's, vibes of facelift, so... Again, that's on one other, like, Wikipedia fandom page, so it might not be a thing. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Chris, where can people find you between now and next week? Oh, God. Uh, I, I will be on Instagram and Twitter at Chris Husted, Chris with a K. Tyler, where can people find you? You can find me on those platforms as well at TJMoss11. And as always, you can reach out to us at thisamericanhorrorstory at gmail.com or hit us up on Facebook at facebook.com slash thisamericanhorrorstory. 
where we love it when folks come and uh, comment on the episodes and chat with each other and send us uh, messages. All that is very highly encouraged. Um, yeah, whew. we'll see if uh, next week's our finale. But, you know, until then, I guess um, everyone have a good week. Happy hauntings. <laughs>